1: Just by show of hands, were you with me in the introduction of the Gospel of John? The introduction of the Gospel of John. That's a good number of you. I'm amazed you're all still here. And uh, what a blessing. We, uh, first service, uh, there was a sister in 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 the audience, and she actually had the date that we started the Gospel of John. I think it was October 6th. And uh, so we've been in the Gospel of John two and a half years and uh, studying the Word. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Somebody say amen. Ain't nothing wrong with it. John chapter 21. We're coming in for a landing in the Gospel of John. Were you with me last week? We concluded in John chapter 20 as we talked about three appearances that Jesus made, one to Mary. He appeared to the disciples, and he appeared to Thomas in John chapter 20. Post-resurrection, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people. Post-resurrection, Jesus was doing two things. Remember I told you, collecting and comforting. He was collecting his purchased possession and comforting all those who were brokenhearted. We left off last week. The son of righteousness has already risen with healing in his wings. And he did what he said he would do, didn't he? he? He conquered death. Are y'all with me? Y'all awake? Y'all need some coffee? He did what he said he's going to do. Somebody say amen. He conquered death. Before the sun rose on the third day, the bridegroom has gone out of the tomb and completed our salvation. And he proved it by rising from the grave. And I told you... And I don't really want to bore you with this, but I do think it's worth reiterating at least once more before we leave the Gospel of John that the Christian faith rests on two things. Number one, Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, or Jesus' death, and then secondly, Jesus' resurrection. And both are equally important, and both are essential to salvation, The resurrection without the atoning death of Jesus would be powerless. And the atoning death without the resurrection would be pointless. So both are equally important and both are essential. I told you and have been telling you through the Gospel of John that the resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity, what saints, swings, swings. The resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. Everything that we believe, are you listening Everything that we believe and everything that we are hinges on the resurrection factor. If the resurrection is not true, our faith is in vain. If the resurrection is not true, then all Jesus went through was in vain. If the resurrection is not true, then the disciples and their families died for nothing. If Jesus didn't rise, then he's no different than any other dead prophet. Jesus is risen from the dead. Somebody clap your hands and say amen, would you? He's risen from the dead. And he appeared to Mary, he appeared to the disciples, and he appeared to Thomas. I want you to go to chapter 20 and look at verse 13 and peruse with me through verses 13 on down. Look at chapter 20, verse 13. Mary, he appeared to Mary. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and she saw two angels in white. And Mary said, if you have taken my Lord, tell me where he is, and I'll fling him over my shoulders and take him away. Well, she turns around, she sees the gardener but it was really Jesus, and Mary's heart is broken, and she's weeping, and she has a sorrow-filled heart, and Jesus said, Mary, and she turned and said, Rabboni. Are you looking at verse 16? She said, Rabboni, which is to say, it actually reads, my teacher. That's more personal, my teacher. Look at verse 17. She grabbed Jesus, and she wouldn't let him go. Jesus said, Mary, don't cling to me. And the reason Jesus didn't want Mary to cling to him is because from now on, things are going to be different, Mary. Jesus is going to the Father and he's going to send the Holy Spirit who will be with all believers. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So right now, Mary, don't hang on to me. I'm not going to stay. I must go to my Father. Well, we left off last week in verse 30 and 31. I want you to look at John twenty. 30 and 31, Jesus said, John said, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Jesus did more signs that are not recorded in this book, but verse 31, but these are written. These signs are recorded. Are y'all with me? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that being in the state of believing, you will have life through his name. Don't we all know some people who are like hyper-miracle? At least that's what I call them. That's what I made up yesterday. Hyper-miracle, you know what I mean? They, see, they focus on the miracles of Jesus. Did you know, listen that in the four Gospels, there's approximately 36 miracles of Jesus. Add them up. And in John's Gospel, there's seven, some count eight. But think about it. Jesus' earthly ministry was only three years. So that's approximately 12 miracles per year or one miracle a month. That's pretty low. And some people are, you know, some people think that Jesus was walking around like handing out miracles or throwing out miracles like uh, you be healed and walking over here and you be healed and you be healed and you be healed. You take up your bed and walk and you not be healed and you, you be healed and you be healed. Jesus wasn't walking around throwing out one miracle a month. Jesus did many miracles, and some, John says, are not recorded in this book. They're recorded in other Gospels. But John says these are recorded, not that you might be hyper-miracle. Are y'all with me? But that you would believe on Jesus. Now, as we come to the last and final chapter of John, John 21, this chapter, you got your pen? Is an epilogue or is an appendix. An epilogue or an appendix is a story tacked on to the end of a story to pull things together and tie things up. An epilogue or an appendix is a story tacked on to the end of a story to pull things together and tie things up. You might say to put a bow on the box. Luke chapter 24, you might remember, Jesus told them to wait until they receive power. And I get the feeling, listen, that they don't know what to do post-resurrection. So post-resurrection, the disciples, they go back to work. But this is no ordinary day at work. What do I mean? I'll tell you more. I've titled this sermon, Breakfast with Jesus. John chapter 21, saints, we pick up in verse 1, John chapter 21, We pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I need you to say amen. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, notice Thomas called Didymus or twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, And two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And when they said to him, we are going with you. And they said to him, we're going with you. Well, they went out and immediately got into the boat that they might. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. now who's that, saints? That's John. I don't know why John doesn't just tell us it's John. I don't, I, he does this all the time. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Just tell us it's John. Say it's me, the disciple who me, me, Jesus, love me, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net to the land full of large fish. How many of the fish? How many? How many saints? One hundred and fifty three. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. The Sea of Tiberias is also called the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Sea of Gennesareth. It's also called the Sea of Chenereth. The word Chenereth, it means harp shape heart shape Um, so if you look on a map you see uh, the uh, Mount Hermon the snow-capped mountain Hermon melts the waters flow into the Jordan River that's where it begins and then if that flows into the Sea of Galilee and then the Jordan River picks up again from the Sea of Galilee and then goes into the Dead Sea Everything lives in the Sea of Galilee. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea, right? We were just there just last week as, or the week before, as a matter of fact. The Galilee is 13 miles long, 8 miles wide, 680 feet below sea level. If you know your Bibles, you know that Jesus did a lot of ministry in the Galilee. His headquarters was the town of Capernaum. He preached the Sermon on the Mount. He preached the bread of life discord. 25 out of the 36 recorded miracles happened in the region of the Galilee. In the Galilee, Jesus met Peter and Andrew as they were fishing. And the Bible tells us it's in this area that Jesus showed himself. Now, before Jesus died, listen to me close. Before he died, he told the disciples post-resurrection that they were to meet him on the mountain. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 tells us, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Mark, if you're taking notes, chapter 14, 28, Jesus said, After I am risen, I'll meet you in Galilee. Mark sixteen seven. Jesus told the disciples, go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you in Galilee and there you will see him as he said. So Jesus made it clear that he would meet them on a mountain in the Galilee. Most scholars are sure that this mountain is Mount Arbel. If you were with us on our trip just two weeks ago, we were on Mount Arbel. As a matter of fact, I have a picture for you right there. Someone took this picture. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That is the Sea of Galilee. It was beautiful. We went out and had worship, and we what a good trip. We went out. Thank you, two people. We had we we had it was beautiful. We had worship out there on the Sea of Galilee, and we had Bible study out there and. If you look far into the distance, you see a mountain, and I think it's on your left. You see there's like a mountain with a peak on it. That's Mount Arbel. Uh, we parked our bus way down the mountain, and then we walked up the Arbel. You get to that peak, and you can literally look out and see all over the Galilee, as I said, from from. The peak of our bell, you can see uh, Capernaum. You can see Magdala, where Mary Magdalene is from. You can see um, uh, Gadara, where Jesus cast the uh, demons into the pigs. So many scholars believe, and I think they're right, that Jesus told the disciples, post-resurrection, I want you to meet me on this mountain. Now the story, listen, actually begins in verse two. Look at verse two. Simon Peter, thank you for the picture. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus or the twin, whose twin? We don't know. Nathaniel of Cana and of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee. Who are the sons of Zebedee? James and John. James and John were called, anybody know? They were called the sons of thunder. Why? Because they had a bad temper. You know the story that people weren't responding to their ministry like they thought they should, just like now. No, I'm just kidding. And, and, and they went and told Jesus. They said, Jesus, the people aren't listening, they aren't saying amen. <laughs> amen. They're not saying they're they're not listening. They're They're not paying attention. Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven and burn them up. And Jesus said, whoa, man, lighten up. I came to save people, not scorch people. So Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel, who's from the Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Notice the Bible tells us two other disciples. The two others could be Andrew, Peter, Peter's brother and Philip, because all these guys were fishermen. And they all hung out together, John chapter 1. They're all from a sea, uh, from the same area. They're all familiar with the Galilee. So the only one in the group who was not a fisherman is Thomas. And Thomas, listen, I think Thomas at this point is fired up. Remember, they were telling him that they saw Jesus. And Thomas said, I don't believe it. Jesus came walking through the door. Y'all know the story, don't you? Jesus came walking through the door. He, the Bible says the door was shut and locked. Jesus came walking through the door. He walks over to Thomas. He says, Thomas, take your fingers and put them in my hand. Take your hands, take it in my side, and don't be doubting, but believing. And Thomas said, my Lord, somebody help me. And my God, you know that. And Thomas is now hanging out with the disciples. He doesn't want to miss a thing. Verse 3, the guys are gathered together. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. And some say the language lends itself to Peter getting impatient and saying, listen, we haven't seen him yet. We don't know where he is. I'm getting hungry. We need to eat. We need to make some money. We need to put some Cheerios on the table for the kids. We got to get back to work. Some say that's a position. And it could also be as simple as you got a bunch of fishermen together and a sea of water and they got a fishing itch. It could be just that simple. Now, a few things caused me to believe. What do I believe? I believe and I believe the Bible lends itself to. They were getting impatient waiting for Jesus and decided to go back to their livelihood to go back to their way of living. What makes you say that, Pastor? Well, in John chapter 16, verse 33, 32, Jesus said this. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered. Each one to his own. In the Greek, that means his own house, his own way of living. Jesus said that and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the father is with me. Jesus told them that they were going back to their own. Fast forward in chapter 21 and look at verse 15. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now the these that Jesus is referring to are these nets. Are y'all following me? These boats, these fishing lines, this bait, these fish. Do you love me more than you love your own life? Jesus says, Peter, do you love me enough to walk away from your livelihood and trust me to be your Jehovah Jireh? Do you love me enough to trust me that I will provide for you, Peter? Do you love me that much? Do you love me more than these, Peter? So it's very well could be that Peter is going fishing and getting back to his life. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you. And immediately, notice they got in the boat. Now, in the Greek language, I'm not trying to impress you with my Greek. I want you to understand something here. In the Greek language, there's a definite article here. They got in the boat. The boat. The boat implies the boat belongs to someone in specific. Possibly, this is Peter's boat. When we go to Israel, we usually go, and we did this pastime, to the Gennesar Museum. At the Gennesar Museum, you will see that boat. That boat is, uh, that's a picture just taken two weeks ago, actually. That boat is um, a 2,000-year-old fishing boat that was found in 1986 when the water level in the Galilee was very low. And a couple of brothers discovered something in the mud. It turned out to be this 2,000-year-old fishing boat. And they were able to dig it out and preserve it. And it's in the museum on the shore of Galilee at Gennesar. We go there every time we go to Israel. It's very fascinating uh, to see this, this boat. This boat could have belonged to Peter. It could be Peter's boat. Um, right across the, the Sea of Galilee, they have a restaurant called Peter's Fish House. Now, we usually don't go there. I don't don't take take our tours there because I don't don't really like it. But it's like a tourism spot. But I don't really like it because they serve the fish, like the whole fish with the eyes. And let me tell you, I don't eat nothing that's looking at me. Where my people at? If it's looking at me, I'm not eating it. So and people make a big deal. It's a big, it's a big tourist place, you know. They gonna make them. Everybody gonna get their money now. It's a big tourist place, and people go there. I don't go there because I don't really like the fish, and I think it's just a big tourist spot. It's not that great anyway. But, 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 but this 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 museum, which is right across the the sea, is it, just beautiful. And so they they walk down the Arbell. And they got into a boat and they fished all night and they didn't catch anything. Now we can learn something. Listen, when you don't do what God has called you to do, then you don't receive the blessings that God has in store for you. Did y'all hear me? I think four people agree with that. When you don't do what God has called you to do, then you don't receive the blessings that God has in store for you. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Notice Jesus called them. And he told them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Mark 1.17, Jesus said, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus told them to wait for him in Galilee on the mountain. He did not tell them to go fishing. Are y'all with me? He did not tell them to get back to their livelihood. Now, fishing, listen, is not a sin in and of itself. It's not a sin. Fishing's not a sin. Fishing for them at this time was sinful. Why? Because God didn't tell them to fish. God didn't tell them to fish. They were now in the place of disobedience. If God calls you to do something and you find yourself doing something else, that's sin. Ask Jonah. Write that down. Ask Jonah. It's not what God told you to do. See, if I decide, Pastor Ronnie, if I decide I'm going to go and become a fisherman for my livelihood, that's not what God called me to do. I would be in sin because God didn't call me to fish for fish. God told Pastor Ryan to fish for men. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And the reason they didn't catch anything is because they're in their flesh. They weren't fishing according, they were fishing according to their flesh, their own will, their own ideas. They were doing their own thing, not God's thing. You can't do your own thing and expect the blessings of God. Somebody say amen. Because something doesn't turn out the way that you thought it should or a test comes or you've been in a trial for a really, really, really long time and you're tired and you start trusting God and having faith in God and, go, and, then, and then you go fish. Hmm. You know, in Preacher World, we say, that'll preach. That'll preach. You get tired of waiting on God and so then you go Fish or you go do what it is you want to do.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923.
1: Maybe.